the podcast for We Hope Glasgow. We're so glad that you're taking the time to listen to this message for Sunday. May it be a blessing to you today. Welcome back to our study all about Jesus as we be going through the book of John together. In case you've not been here for the study of the book of John, well, we're just about to the very end of it. In fact, last week we kind of did finish our study in the book of John with the conclusion of chapter 20. Now, there's 21 chapters in the book of John, but when John drafted out the book, and as he wrote the book, you can clearly tell when he came to the end of chapter 20, that was the end, and then he writes the epilogue. He writes this, this last chapter where he wants to clarify a couple things. Remember, he's, he's writing this book decades and decades later, and decades after Jesus has, has gone through these events that we've, we've studied and read about. He wants to clarify through, uh, a few things, and he wants to talk about two different aspects about being a follower of Jesus that are different now that Jesus is alive than they were through the pages of what we've just read. As, as we've seen the disciples interact with Jesus over the, over the, um, the pages of, of the book of John, or the scroll of the book of John, whatever it was. Uh, now, now we're seeing that there's a little bit of differences. And the disciples are in the learning process. The same learning process that we're in as, as followers of Jesus. And, and they're going through all of this. So the context of the entire epilogue begins with Peter t- uh, taking six other disciples fishing on the Sea of Galilee in chapter 21. Chapter 21. Now actually... I have lots of experience. I have loads of experience fishing. My grandfather loved the fish. He had some boats, and we would go out on the sea fishing. I remember one time we we, we were fishing, and and on our way out, we'd often throw in the crab pots and, you know, these pots that would go down and were attached to a buoy, and then we'd go out, and we'd fish, and then we'd come back and pick up dinner on the way back, you know, kind of get the crabs on the way back. So um, I remember one time, though, when we threw the pot in, no buoy attached, that's a bummer. So we lost that. But on the way back, a couple hours later, as, I, as we're fishing, I caught this gargantuan fish. And I'm wheeling it. Sure enough, I caught the crab pot. Like, like amazing. I, I don't even, who needs, who needs fish when you can catch other people's crab pots? No, this was our, our, our crab pot and, and dinner. So that, that was kind of fun. But anyway, so we went fishing loads growing up. Um, and and we, we just, I just remember catching large uh, salmon over the years. Uh, we had these huge fishing poles, and when we'd go out with Grandpa, we'd, we, uh, we'd uh, have these fishing poles, and we'd, we'd attach them to the boat, because why would you hold your fishing pole, right? I mean, just, you just attach it to the boat, and then, and then I would go, and I would go down kind of in, into the bottom of the boat, and I would go down by the bed, or one of the beds there, and, and I, would, I would eat some crackers and throw up. I hate fishing. I despise fishing. I, 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 I hate it so, so much. In fact, my, in my opinion, there are, there's two kinds of people in this world. There's, there's, there's those who love fishing, and then there's those who know better. I, I, I'm not a big fan of In fact, my read of the Gospels is Jesus calling people away from fishing. Get out of the fishing and, and, and come and do something great with your life. Follow me. Get out of fishing. So that's, that's kind of my, my general read uh, in God and his compassion, uh, rescuing these guys out of a life of fishing. Anyway, so uh, one time uh, Grandpa took us, uh, my, my family, my, my dad, mom, and brothers and sisters, 
we are on a charter boat. We went, we went on this big charter boat out, out fishing in the sea. Huge, huge boat, a couple hundred of us. And I remember my family was generally kind of lined up on, okay, in, in a boat there's no left and there's no left side of the boat. There's the port side. So we're on, on the, that left port side of the boat. And, and, and we, were, we were fishing. And we're all, we're all kind of there. And, and it's, it's not cheap to do these things. And again, there I was uh, having the time of my life, enjoying the salty sea air and just that, that joyful feeling, feeling of nearly throwing up at any given moment. And, and maybe even throwing up. I, I don't even remember if I threw up. Uh, I usually did. Um, so we had, this, we had that going on. And then I had the added joy of, of fishing. For, for so long and having none of us caught anything. I mean, we're talking, this was joy upon joy, uh, just a, a wonderful experience. And if you know me well, and if, if you've been around me well, which most of you don't, but I'll give you a little bit of insight into me. I, I love waiting. I love waiting. I love failing. I, I, I love failing. I love feeling sick all the time. Like, I, I love that. And, and, and I love having zero success at c- accomplishing the goals. Like that, that is, that is me not at all. I, 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 all those things are like my, my buttons. And so uh, we, were, we were just living my dream moment there on that, charter, on that charter excursion. So there we were fishing. Well, finally I had enough. And I believe, okay, now this is, this is serious. This is serious, serious. I believe in that moment God spoke to me in that moment. And I believe that Jesus saw my misery as simple and, and insignificant as it was. He saw my misery, and I, and I believe he spoke to me in one of the most subtle ways that he speaks, but also in one of the most common ways he speaks. Definitely he speaks to me, and, and we see this with other people in the Bible. And, and he reminded me of something in the Bible. He reminded me of a story in the Bible, actually the story that we're going to look at today. And he brought this story to my mind and, and about Jesus directing these fishermen uh, who hadn't caught anything to go to try fish on the other side of the boat. On the, um, actually, the right side of the boat, the, the, not the left side, the right side. I don't know if Jesus knew that there was no left and right. But anyways, so, uh, so directed that. And, and, and when that story came to mind, I'm thinking, okay, this is kind of weird, but I, I'm not feeling great. And, and so I reeled in my line and I, and I pulled it out of the sea and my family's watching me they're like what are you doing and I'm like I'm gonna go fish on the other side of the boat remember that story in the bible and so I went over to the other side of the boat and I put in my my all alone and they're kind of looking at me where I put my line in the water and wouldn't you know it I started catching huge salmon after huge salmon until I'd caught my limit I mean that that's that is, that is a, the true story. I, I, don't, I don't remember my grandfather or anybody else in our family catching fish. Maybe they caught a couple fish, but, but I, caught the, I caught as many as I could catch. And I remember my grandfather looking at me after this excursion and saying, yeah, Brian, switching sides of the boat shouldn't, shouldn't have made any difference at all. We're out in the sea. We're out in the sea and everybody's fishing. We're fishing for hours and hours. Switching sides of the boat shouldn't have made any difference at all. But Brian, if you continue to live your life quick to respond to even the most subtle, even the most easy to brush off, even the, the most the easy to laugh off, the laugh off leadings of God, if you continue to respond to that, 
God is going to do significant things through your life. And family, my, my grandfather's words are true for you as well. If you live your life quick to respond, even to the most subtle, the, the easy to brush off, the easy to laugh off leadings of God, if you're quick to respond, God is going to do significant, significant things through your life as well. It's the people whose hearts are open to this, who are, are open to the subtle and silly seeming, the just ridiculous seeming leadings of God. It, it's, it's the kind of thing that, that most people ignore and most Christians ignore. Most Christians are going to just brush off either as, as weird or odd or, or silly. But it's the people who are alert and sensitive and quick to respond to even the most simple, subtle things that see the help of God poured into their lives. Now, switching sides of the boat is not the direct application for, for this passage. It, that, that's, not, that's not the intended point of this passage. But friends, the passage is about being alert. It's about being alert to seeing when Jesus is there. It's a, a, about perceiving when he's there. It's about learning to recognize when he is subtly leading you. When he's subtly directing you. And one of the ways that God, God speaks is by reminding us of different Bible verses, Bible passages, different things. At the right time, he brings them to mind to give us guidance, to, give, to see how alert we are to the subtle leadings of Jesus. And, and it, it, okay. it seems ridiculous. I get it. I hear it coming out of my mouth. But it seems ridiculous to, for God to have spoken to me in my misery on that silly fishing trip about switching sides of the boat. It just seems, it just seems so, so, so ridiculous. But all of my life, God has been trying to teach me to hear his voice. God's been trying to teach me to identify when he is leading and when he's, when he's um, nudging me when, he, when he's testing me to see if I'm going to obey, even if it doesn't make sense, even if I just assume God's not here and God's not speaking to me, or when I just feel like I'm just making this up, he's been trying all my life to teach me to discern to when he is subtly nudging me, when, he, when he's leading me. If you're a believer in Jesus, that's exactly what God's trying to do with you during your life. He is trying to teach you to, to, to perceive when he's talking to you. When he's nudging you, when it's him bringing things to mind, when it's him reminding you of things, when it's him like uh, causing you to notice something that you haven't been noticing, to, to, to help you to see and perceive uh, in very practical ways God's leadership for your life or for your next minute. Often randomly through a person speaking to you, or, or through a Bible passage. I'm t I've told you this, like on, on September 24th, 2005, I felt like God was not speaking to me at all and I was frustrated. I was like, God, I need your help. I need your direction. What do you want me to do with this church? Do you want me to close it down? Or, or, or what do you want me to do? And I felt like God said nothing to me. Like, and I was frustrated, nothing. And I'm like, okay, well, then maybe I'll just, I don't know, I'll just read the book of Acts. Maybe Maybe there's something in there about church planting. Okay, I now realize that wasn't me thinking that was a great idea. That was God. But in the moment, and so often in those moments, we feel like God's not saying anything. 
And that's how I felt. And yet he was clearly saying, read the book of Acts. Read the book of Acts. And I, I was a pastor at the time. I was a pastor of this church at the time. Anyway, so we're in, we're in the epilogue. We're in John chapter 21, which, like I said, it was to clear up some confusion for the early church. And it's also set uh, to teach us now how to live and how to, how to pay attention to when Jesus is around and when he's leading us uh, subtly now that Jesus is alive. And so we're going to look at this chapter together. If you have your Bibles, I am in John chapter 21. The words are going to be on the screens here. And let's look at it. This is how the chapter begins. The epilogue begins. After this... After Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to Mary and, and the disciples and then Thomas. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Simon, Peter, Thomas, called twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and two other people I can't even bother to name their names. I don't know. And two others. I'm going to name, I don't know. It's sad to be those guys. And two others of his disciples were together. I'm going fishing, Simon Peter said to them. We're coming with you, they told him. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Nothing. Okay, so they're, they're in Galilee. This is where they're supposed to supposed to be. John didn't mention this, so, uh, but other gospels do, like in Matthew. In Matthew chapter 28, you get this clear direction. It says, then Jesus told them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee. They will see me there. There's several times in the gospels where, where Jesus is telling them, okay, after he rises from the dead, to get out of Jerusalem. Don't stay in Jerusalem for those 50 days between Easter and Pentecost. Get out of Jerusalem. Go to Galilee. I'll meet you in Galilee. Let's get out of Jerusalem. That's, that's kind of the direction. And, and I'm going to meet you there. That's, that's the expectation. So here the disciples have done that. They, they have, they have, they've gone to Galilee, and they're supposed to see Jesus now. Jesus is supposed to show up. And they're waiting. And they're waiting. Okay, Jesus said he was going to come and meet us here. We're waiting we're waiting, we're waiting. That's the context of the story. And they're waiting. And finally, Peter, they're waiting for Peter to show up, or for Jesus to show up. And Peter's finally like, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. You know it's bad when somebody says that. I'm going fishing. No. Now, this is, their, this is their trade. Now, when you're reading commentaries, when you're reading commentaries, some, maybe more than half of the commentator writers like to write this about this passage. They like to write, this was a mistake. They like to say, well, Jesus called them out of fishing. And, and in Luke chapter 5, he said, okay, you're now going to be fishing for people, not for fish. And, and so commentators will see, okay, now, they're, now Jesus is alive and, and they're going back to fishing. And, and they will write, well, that's a, that's a mistake. Now, I always think fishing is a mistake. However, I, I want to make it really clear that Jesus doesn't at all call them out for, for that. That's just commentators kind of speculating, and I don't, I don't really like that kind of stuff. Jesus does not say that this was bad or weird. In fact, he helps them with their fishing. You'd have a really difficult time making a biblical case that they, these guys are making a, a mistake here. Anyway, so, so they're, they're there. They're, they're fishing. Uh, again, they're fishing, and they caught nothing. They caught nothing. And, and this is their field of training. This is not, even their, not just their field of training. They're in their lake. This is their lake that, that they have. That they, they're in the Sea of Galilee, the, the Sea of Tiberias. They, they are, it's the same thing. They are, they're there. They've grown up fishing in this lake. They've been trained. They know how to do this. 
and uh, they know what they're doing and they've caught nothing. They're waiting for Jesus and now they're frustrated. They're spinning their wheels. They've worked hard all night. All night they've worked hard and they've caught nothing. Zero, zero fish, zero nothing. Now guys, after the last couple of years and I don't know, if, you, if you've tried to follow God um, for a while, you probably have learned, like me, just the, the truth of Psalm 127, which, which begins, unless the Lord builds a house, unless the Lord builds a house, they that labor, labor in vain. I've experienced this so many times where I, I've had good ideas, even, even good ideas for this church, and, or, or I've, been, I've, I've worked hard at seeing to see if I can get this to happen or, or see if I can get this to happen or this building or that building or, or uh, this staff person or that staff person. I've put so much time and effort in things, and I've just learned over and over again, unless the Lord builds it. Now, in that chapter, he's talking about like your, your home, your dynasty, your, your, your family. But unless the Lord builds anything, so much of the labor is just done in vain. And, and, and I see this, and, and here the disciples are experiencing that as well. The, the, the disciples, they've worked so hard. They've been working hard all night. They've been up all night. And the thing is, these guys love Jesus. They love Jesus, and they're, they're, they're his disciples, and yet they're unsuccessful. These guys believe Jesus is alive, and yet they're just not not catching anything. They're working hard. They're frustrated. And they, they know and love Jesus. Well, they're waiting for Jesus to show up. And, and they're, they're frustrated. And they're, they're humbled. This is their field. And, and it's these humbling moments that we face in life. It's these humbling moments time and time again that set us up. That set us up to receive wisdom and guidance from Jesus. It's those humbling moments, time and time again, that set us up to receive guidance and, and, and wisdom from Jesus. Sometimes the guidance is clear and obvious, but usually it's entirely subtle. And we don't even really realize what's going on, maybe until way later. It took me, I know that this makes me seem dense, but it took me several years to be able to say, oh, when God, when God told me to read the book of Acts on that Saturday, it took me a couple of years to realize that was him and not me. That, that's, that's how subtle it was for me and, and how dense I was at the time. And, and really, honestly, I miss it all the time still. Sometimes it's so subtle. But let's just see, again, um, how, how this plays out and, and the, the subtleties that are going on in this chapter. In verse 4, so they, uh, that night they caught nothing. Verse 4, when daybreak came, Jesus stood on the, on the shore. However, the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Okay, catch this. This is the context. Jesus is there, and the disciples don't know that he is. We, we saw the same scenario with Mary Magdalene about two weeks ago or so, where, where she, she was standing there with Jesus. He was speaking to Jesus. He was interacting with Jesus. Jesus was right in front of her face, and she didn't know it. And, and I was just reminding you, so many times that's how we feel, like Jesus is not here. We feel like we're alone, like where is God? Where is Jesus? And we're, maybe we're even frustrated, and yet he's right in front of your face, and you just don't perceive it. The problem isn't that Jesus isn't here. The problem is, is you're, just, you're just not picking it up. 
And you might be looking at the story like, well, why didn't they understand that, that Jesus was there? Why didn't they understand? Was it, was it too early in the morning? Um, they'd been up all night. Were their eyes blurry? I don't know. Was there a mist on the lake? Were they too far away? They're about 100 yards away, 90 meters away or so. Like, what is it that, that's going on here where they're not picking this up, that this is Jesus? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really care. What I, what I do see, though, is that Jesus was there and they didn't know it. Jesus was right there and they didn't know it. And I, again, that's, that's, that's so many of the people in our church. They're asking, where is Jesus in my pain? Where is Jesus when I don't know what to do? Where is Jesus when I need help? And, and, and he's just right there. And some of you just don't perceive that yet. Anyway, so, so be alert. Uh, Jesus has told the disciples, I'm going to meet you there. They, they, they ought to be more alert to this. I'm going to meet you in Galilee. But you know what he's also said to you? He said, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. That's Jesus' words to us. So we ought to be living expectant with eyes open, expecting that he's here. That, that, that he's here, even if we're not able to perceive it. Well, anyways, let's keep reading and see what happens. So Jesus is there. They don't know it. Uh, men, Jesus called to them. Men, you don't have any fish, do you? <laughs> uh, no. The, no, they answered. No, go away. Cast the net on the right side of the boat, he told them, and you'll find, and you'll find some. So they did. And they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. Okay, so again, they don't know that this is Jesus still. Are we tracking that? They, they think that this is just some random guy. And often, usually, often when Jesus is speaking to you, it's, it's more subtle and less obviously Jesus than you would prefer it to be. We're, we're talking about Jesus uh, subtly speaking. Subtly speaking to you. Subtly speaking, sometimes Jesus is subtly giving you direction through someone that you think is just some random person. Some, some random person. I mean, picture this. Fishermen, experienced fishermen, fishing all night on their lake. And a random guy on the shore who's not fishing tells them they're doing it wrong. And they need to throw their nets on the other side of the boat. Yeah, everyone loves moments like this, right? Everybody loves moments when the random person tells you you're doing your job wrong. And even what they're saying, right side, left side, how in the world does that, that even matter? And this is my lake. This is, you know, it, it takes humility to listen in those moments. And in this case, switching sides of the boat shouldn't have made any difference. It would have been so easy for the disciples to be like, oh my gosh, who do you think you are? And yet they try it, which is a real sign of humility for these guys. And I believe the humble person gets more help and more guidance from Jesus. I believe the humble person gets more help and more guidance from Jesus, not because God says more to them, but because they're open to listening as God speaks through even random people in, in subtle ways, in subtle moments, because they're just Willing to listen and try. If the disciples had been proud, they would have missed the guidance of Jesus. They would have missed the blessing of God. So subtle, subtle ways that often Jesus speaks and guides us. So, so what happens? 
cast the net on the right side of the boat, he told them, and you will find some. So they did, and they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. Therefore, the disciple, who we know is John, the one Jesus loved, John, the author of this book, therefore the disciple, the one Jesus loved, said to Peter, it is the Lord. It is the Lord. It's Jesus. John, he is the first to see what no one else sees yet. He's the first to see what no, he's the first to see that this is Jesus. He's the first to connect the dots. Oh wait, that random guy isn't a random guy at all. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. He, he's, he's there with seven other, or six other disciples. There's seven. He's there with these other disciples, and he's the first to be able to perceive what, what's going on. Jesus, that Jesus was subtly present. He was subtly present. These guys didn't perceive, even his own disciples who'd walked around with Jesus for years, he's just subtly present. Now, now that Jesus is um, raised from the dead, the disciples are needing to learn some new skills. The same skills that we, we need to learn. They're needing, before they could just follow Jesus around and, and all that, but now they're needing to learn how to perceive when Jesus is subtly present, when, when it's just not blazingly obvious. It can be subtle, it can be hard to perceive, but we gotta learn, we gotta learn the same thing. And so John's kind of encouraging the people as he's writing, look, we had this challenge as well to try and determine when Jesus is present. We had that challenge. In fact, the quicker we become in, in seeing and knowing when when Jesus has shown up and when Jesus is there giving us directions, the more, the more confidence we can have that we're, we're walking in, in Jesus' way, but also the more impact we can have. The more impact we can have when we can help others see, when we can connect the dots for other people. Oh, that, that Bible passage just didn't just come to your mind. That was Jesus. That, that random person who gave you that word of encouragement that, that you don't, maybe you don't even know their name, that was Jesus speaking to you in, in that moment. Jesus gives guidance in, in big things for me, like leading this church, but also in, in little things. Jesus, and, and that's where we get the lies in our heads. Jesus actually guides you in little tiny things that seem so insignificant. He actually gives directions. And, and, and Jesus is like, Brian, I know you're, you're just a kid and, and you're having a bad day and you're not feeling good and all that kind of stuff. Why don't I give you a gift if you'll listen to me? I'm going to bring a Bible story to mind and I want you to act on it. I want you to go to the other side of the boat and you're going to catch, I'm going to, I'm going to bless you if you, you uh, just, if you just take my word for it. If, you, if you're able to discern the subtle, subtle leading, I've got a little gift for you. Yesterday, uh, yesterday I was randomly scrolling through just old pictures over the last, last couple of years and just kind of going through, cleaning it up, deleting some stuff and all that kind of stuff. I was reading and, and, I, and you know, I, I screenshot a lot of books and pictures and stuff like that, things for messages and, and um, you know, like, hey, confirmation number for this and all that kind of stuff. A lot of just, like, random things. There was just one, two years and one day ago, I didn't realize it until I looked at it again today. Two years and one day ago, there was a book, uh, there was just, like, these two pages. I'm like, oh, I wonder what this says. Now, I've scrolled down past two years of, of screenshots, but I click on this one. I'm like, oh, what does this say? Oh, wow, interesting. That's about this. It's about that. Oh, interesting. Uh, I know that you know what it's about. It was, it was about God speaking and speaking in, in, in dreams. And then just three minutes later, my daughter comes in and said, hey, Dad, I had this dream. I'm like, wow. Like, like Jesus had just 
nudged me to click on this picture and read it, and he was going to want me to use this information as my daughter was about to walk in and, and ask a question. Like, that, that's Jesus, the, the, the nudging of Jesus. Um, also, I was scrolling down uh, further down, and, and just kind of, I, I, I realized that randomly, a couple years ago, I, screen, I screenshot an Instagram post from Russell Wilson, who is the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks, who I follow on Instagram. The Seattle Seahawks are the greatest sports team in all of the universe. Their record doesn't show that. Their history doesn't show that, but... Um, they're from Seattle, so it must be true. Anyway, so, uh, so he's the quarterback from, from this, um, this team. And I just happened to screenshot, the only screenshot that, that I have of him, uh, screenshotting him as uh, there's a book that he was recommending. And, and I'm like, oh my goodness, a couple years ago I screenshot this book. That, that's, that's a book that just seems exactly what, what, I, what I want, what I feel like right now God's saying, this book is for now. It's called Unreasonable Hope. So I started reading it. I started reading it um, since then. Uh, unreasonable hope, and, and like, okay, that but that's Jesus. That's Jesus, like bringing to mind, bringing these old pictures, having me go back through. And, and now you might think that's just random. That's just weird. Or what's going on in this church? No, it's it's learning to discern and to perceive when Jesus is subtly leading you. That is, that when he's present, when he's guiding you, how is he guiding you? How is he bringing things to mind? Again, Jesus is so subtle. Most people miss it. Six out of seven disciples don't realize Jesus has given them direction here. But John does. And he helps everybody else perceive it. And this is what he says. He says, it is the Lord. Uh, verse, verse seven. Therefore, the disciple, the one Jesus loved, John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer garment around him, for he was stripped, and he plunged into the sea. Now, Peter and John kind of have a funny relationship. I don't, I don't really understand it, but you know that whole, like, John outran Peter thing? Peter's the slow one. Well, it's like he, Peter plunged. It was pretty, I don't know, was that awkward? Like, did he jump? Did he dive? Did he just kind of, like, I don't know, he, he plunged. He plunged into the sea. I'm not really sure what to call that. John's like, it was, it was, he, he plunged. He plunged. So that, that's, um, they've got this thing. But, but what a funny pair these two are. John perceiving and then Peter responding, like just with bold audacity. Jesus is here. I'm in. I'm, I'm, I'm jumping in. I, I'm, I'm swimming. I'm swimming. The impact of recognizing when Jesus is present and working and guiding and leading is priceless for the people around you. For you to be able to connect the dots, that conversation was Jesus. That thought to, to, to get that book was Jesus. That thought to read that, that, that memory, Jesus. Connecting the dots. John helps people, Peter recognize Jesus. Peter jumps in. Let's keep reading. Verse 8. But since they were not far from the land, about 100 yards away, the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish lying on it and bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus told them. So Simon Peter got up and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Come and have breakfast, Jesus told them. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. 
Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Just a few quick notes here about Jesus. He is, he's got subtle intentionality. Subtle intentionality. Jesus is the master of intentionality. We spoke about this a couple weeks ago. I'll mention it one more time next week. But this idea of there's only two times, that's three, two times in the, in the Bible where the word charcoal fire is mentioned. Once when Peter is standing around uh, denying Jesus in the courtyard. And then here when he is about to restore Jesus, where Jesus makes the charcoal fire. And he's about to restore Jesus. There's this beautiful intentionality of Jesus setting up restoration moment here. I believe Jesus is intentional about setting up moments in your life for healing. For healing from past pains. For healing to restore you from past failures. I think he sets up moments perfectly. Perfectly. Intentionally. He's masterfully intentional. There's that subtle intentionality here. Charcoal fire, charcoal fire. Also, one of the things I love here is, is subtle details. Subtle details. One of my favorite comments here is the net's not breaking. Net's not, the same God who provides 153 large fish, which it sounds like Peter single-handedly rips from the sea. 153 large. That's, just, that's how it seems to read. I feel bad about saying he plunged into the sea. Okay, he, he hauled the net ashore. He pulls it ashore. 153 fish. He also is paying attention to the tiniest of details. This God is paying attention. The net's not breaking. For a long time, we prayed for more space before we got this space. We're also doing that again now. But we were praying for more space. God, provide more space. Provide more space. And then this, this building came available, and, and there's just this miraculous story of God providing it, providing it debt-free and all that kind of stuff. I think the video's on the website, potentially. But, but this, this amazing provision of God. And yet, one of my friends was like, oh, Brian, I don't, I don't think, I, I don't know, what if something's bad with the building and we don't know about it? What if something goes wrong and we don't, we don't know? And what if we get trapped? What if we get stuck? What if something falls apart and we just, we just don't know? There's no way to know. And, and my first feelings were, were anger at, at that. Um, my second feelings were laughing loudly in his face on the inside. But on the outside, this was my friend, and I, I'm just like, oh, we have to trust we have to trust the same God who seems to be miraculously providing us a big church building will also take care of the tiny details. That it's, it's safe to trust him. That it's safe to trust him. Not to live in fear, but trust that he not, doesn't just take care of the big things, but also the tiny things. That's what our God's like. I love that about this. Subtle details. And then the third thing I see in this bit is unsubtle results. Very unsubtle results. When you do what Jesus tells you to do, even when, when he's so, so subtle in, in leading you, uh, in this moment, fishing on the other side of the boat, Jesus is able 
and Jesus is willing and Jesus is wanting to bless you for faith and obedience. And you're like, wow, is this like some major prosperity gospel thing? No, this is a, a major confirming thing. Jesus likes to confirm. He's trying to teach you. Yes, that was me. Here's the confirmation. Here's the blessing. Here's what's coming behind that. You, you, I told you if you make this change and you did, and yes, I'm now shining upon you with, with confirmation and, and blessing. It, it maybe it seems so silly and so unimportant and, and, and even annoying. Really, you want me to fish on the other side of the boat? Or you want us to throw our nets on the other side? But Jesus loves to pour out favor when we follow his leadings. Confirmation after confirmation, and usually with incredibly unsubtle results as we follow. Maybe Jesus is subtle when he speaks. Okay, very often that's my experience. It's probably your experience. Very often Jesus is subtle when he shows up, and sometimes you're like, I don't even know where Jesus is right now in my life. But when he acts, when he blesses you for hearing his direction and responding, obeying, the blessing is just not subtle at all. Loads of fish, loads of fruit. As my grandfather once told me, and so I tell you again, if you live your life quick to respond, even to the most subtle and easy to brush off, even laugh off leadings of God, God is going to do significant, significant things through your life as well. And then I would add to that, the more you obey and the more you, you respond, the more you're going to be surprised by the blessings and the rewards which flow towards those who respond yes and quickly to his leadings. Now, I understand that we are, we're just going to stop right in the middle of this epilogue. And Jesus is about to turn into this restoration moment. Next week, we're going to pick it up from right here, part two of the epilogue. And we're going to finish our study of the book of John uh, next week. But before we, before we continue on in worship, i got three, quick challenge, three challenges for us. Challenge number one is I want you to identify a time where Jesus was subtly guiding you, but you only stood, understood it later, like, like for me in the Acts thing. Like later, I was able to look like, oh, that was Jesus. That was, for me, an important learning moment to, to be able to connect those dots later. Secondly, I, I want you to think about a, a past season where you felt alone and ask Jesus to show you where he was in that moment and just wait and listen. Go back, picture that moment. Jesus, I felt so alone. I felt so abandoned. I felt so hopeless, helpless, in need of your help. Where were you in that time of pain or when I felt alone? Show me where you were and listen. Thirdly, I, I, I say pray for Jesus to open your eyes so that you can perceive his presence and his guidance now in your life. God, I, Jesus, I believe, is, is giving you direction and guidance. And some of it's so subtle it's difficult to perceive. And some of the reason why he's giving it is just so you learn to perceive. So have your eyes, Jesus, open my eyes. Holy Spirit, open my eyes to be able to tell where Jesus is in my life right now and, and how he's guiding me.